Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is almost game time, and not just a regular season game, but the playoffs for your black and gold. Hi, my name is Brian Anthony Davis from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. It is time for Here We Go, the Steelers pregame show. And the Steelers pregame show is nothing without my co-host here. His name is KT Smith. Kevin, what is going on, my friend? We've made it this far. Yeah, it's awesome. Very exciting, Brian. I mean, we haven't had a playoff week in a, in a couple of years, and uh, I don't know. I mean, I, the Steelers lost four out of five to end the, to end the year, yet at the same time, I'm, I feel really good and, and optimistic. So uh, I'm, I'm excited. I just wish it wasn't Sunday night. That's my only, that's my only uh, complaint, you know? Oh, that is my biggest complaint. When I saw that, I was like, no! Yeah. I mean, come on. You don't need a Sunday night game. I I was going for Saturday at uh, four o'clock at the latest is what I wanted. <laughs> oh, that's a that's a great time slot right there, you know. Yeah, um, we we're just we're just not going to get those. And but one of the things you you always look at in this situation is Pittsburgh has such a following now that you could almost guarantee that they're going to be in prime time in these in these playoff games because they're a draw and. NBC wanted first dibs and that's why they ended up in that slot. And as long as NBC has, as that uh, coveted slot, you know, Pittsburgh's going to end up in prime time nine times out of 10. Yeah. It's flattering. I just, and my younger self wouldn't have minded at all, 
but my, you know, in my advanced age now, I'm, I, and I got to get up for work in the morning. I, I'll be a little cranky, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I get it. Let me ask you a question about that. Cause I remember back in the day, you know, if you're like me and I'm still like this, but as soon as you get the schedule, as soon as that schedule's released, I pour over it. And when I was a kid and even when I was in college and uh, as a younger adult, I would look at it and like, all right, when are the primetime games? I remember in 1990 that uh, uh, some relatives were giving us, were giving us uh, tickets to a game and said, you pick the game you want. You could have any home game. And this is when this was the primetime games on ESPN started in 1987. This was 1990. And I remember saying, Ooh, I want Houston Pittsburgh week two. It's a primetime game. I've never been to a night game. And my dad, who was going with me, was like, no, <laughs> no. And uh, he's like, all right, we'll go. And I was all excited. And then he had to drive home. <laughs> and I was like, woo. And so, you know, now I look at him and I look at the primetime games in Pittsburgh usually has close to five primetime games. And now I'm like, no, don't do that. The biggest thing I could tell you, too it was really funny. Dave Schofield and I were going to the Buffalo game last year and we were watching and I talked to him. I said, Dave, this game's going to get flexed out. There is no other really great game. And the game that was going to be on NBC was kind of a marginal game. I said, we're going to get moved into a flex game and we almost canceled it and didn't go. Um, so that's, that's something that happened because both he and I were like, no, we got back at 5.30 in the morning in a snowstorm in the middle of December last night. I mean, last last year, and it was absolutely horrendous. And, uh, you know, throwing the fact that they lost that game. But were you like that with the schedule, Kevin? It's funny what you just said. When, when you're younger, that's a great story, the getting back at 5 o'clock in the morning. When you're a little older and you're in dad world and you're in got to get up and go to work world. It's, it's incredibly annoying. I'm going to write uh, a story probably in the off season for uh, the, the 25th anniversary of the blizzard of 96. I was, I, I drove with a bunch of buddies from here in South Jersey out to Pittsburgh for the, the 1996 playoff game, the wild card game. Uh, against uh i think it was new england i can't remember if it was new england or buffalo we went back to back years but um they uh and then we th that was the weekend where the blizzard of 96 dumped 30 something inches of snow on the entire east coast and we wound up taking us two days to get back to new jersey and it was a pretty cool story so and and then you know then it was awesome i i thought it was the greatest thing in the world if that happened now i'd be furious you know so um but you're right. Yes, I have always been very, very like, well, when's the schedule coming out? More so for the opponents than, than the the times. But anymore, yes, I definitely look at the primetime games and I think to myself, all right, well, I'm going to have to uh, schedule a light, a light day in, in class on Monday on those days. Now, it's funny, our Australian counterparts, they look at it. They look at these night games because they uh, have more of an opportunity to be able to see them. But the problem with the night games for them, it's in the middle of their working day. Right. So they that killed Matty Peverall when he looked at it. He was like, man, I'm going to be in the middle of my work day. So, uh, yeah, that 14-hour time difference uh, is great there, too. 
And, you know, it's, it's really funny, too, when you look at it. I never realized this when I was complaining about games being flexed last year. Some people came out and, and said, hey, you got to understand, we're in Nebraska. We're, when we don't have Sunday ticket, we're not going to get these games. So when they get flexed out, it's awesome for us because we know we're going to get, it's guaranteed that we get to see it. So, you know, there's uh, so many different uh, expectations from when they get flexed out. But when you're on the East Coast and you're working, and uh, you just want to watch that Sunday game. <laughs> it's different, but I can see the other way now too. But yeah, the Steelers are playing at eight, what, eight fifteen at night. Is that when yep. the game time is? And yep. uh, Hey, we're closing in on that. We got to get ready for this game and it is going to be great. But here's my question to you right off the bat. And we could talk about last, last week's game, all we want. But who did the Cleveland Browns play? They're not playing the same team that they're playing this week, are they, Kevin? No. Obviously, there's always reason for concern and you're nervous. I mean, I think we have all of us a little bit of uh, nerves when we think back to our last playoff game in 2017. At home, we're 13-3, and coming off a bye. It's Blake Bortles. And Jacksonville coming in, you know, and we, I think we all felt pretty good about, about that one. And, and, you know, we all, we all remember what happened there. They put it to us. So that was no doubt an overconfidence Steelers team, but I feel pretty good about this one for much different reasons. There's no reason for the Steelers to be overconfident given the fact that they lost four out of their last five games. But at the same time, it really feels like, in the last six quarters of football, not a huge sample size, but still in the last six quarters of football, they feel like the, the, the team that we saw in September and October, the team that got off to that 11 and those start. The fact that Cleveland last week had to go to the wire to beat a Steelers team that was resting some of its best players and that had nothing to play for. And Cleveland was at home with the opportunity to clinch their first playoff game in 18 19 years whatever it's been uh and they had to really just fight to the to the finish and in many ways for uh in 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 long stretches of that game the Steelers had outplayed them with Mason Rudolph at quarterback and and a bunch of backups in should should have us feeling pretty good I would think well you know what to back up your point there the Steelers had more scoring drives than the Cleveland Browns because even though the Browns scored more points the uh, Steelers scored more often when you throw the field goals into that. So they actually scored more, but not on the side of points and even with that two-point conversion. And so we're going to talk about some of those things. But the big thing that everybody is talking about, and if you're in Cleveland, you are not loving this whatsoever. And I don't blame you. I'm not loving this. I want to play uh, the Cleveland Browns at full strength. But there's no possible way in my mind that they could be playing at full strength when they don't have their head coach. Now, the Steelers, and this is, this is something that I want you to uh, poke holes in our theories, because Dave and Jeff were saying the other day on the Steeler preview that when you look at it, if it happened to Mike Tomlin, it's not as big a deal because he is not calling the place. And they do have a plan in place as well. That if something happens, if he can't play, if he cannot coach, that I mean, he's more of a delegator. 
but you have the problem that you have a first year head coach in the form of Kevin Stefanski, and they did not have a preseason with Alex Van Pelt getting an opportunity to call the plays in those preseason games. And that was the plan. He never got a chance to do that. So Kevin Stefanski is still calling the plays with his system because he knows his system. And it's been said that nobody changes on the fly better than Kevin Stefanski as far as a play caller. He's very good at it. So my question, you're a head coach on the high school level. One, was there ever a plan in place if something happened that you contracted COVID? Yeah, we had, we had a plan for all of our coaches. We, we actually had to coach our first game of the season without our special teams coordinator. But, and the, but the thing that was, was really difficult about that, now I, I took over the special teams duties for the week, and, and that went fine. But he was also our primary signaler when we were on offense. I mean, we're, we're a no-huddle, up-tempo, on-the-ball team, and we don't ever huddle. We haven't gotten into a huddle in five years. And we, we signal everything to our guys and, and he was gone and I didn't know all the signals. I, I didn't, I don't even really pay attention to a whole lot of that. I, I relay the plays and they do, they do whatever it is that they do. It's like sign language, you know? And um, we had to, we had to train kids on the fly to do it. We, we got to, a, it was, now luckily it was the first game of the year and nobody had any film on us or nobody really had a, a beat on what we were doing just yet. But we got to a point at some point, sometimes during the game where we were just yelling out plays uh, and, <laughs> and our guys were just lining up accordingly because it was just faster. So the kids were a little screwed up on some of the signals. It's not easy. And, and he, and he's not, you know, again, that, that was a guy who was not even the offensive coordinator or the head coach. Um, I watched, you know, the Clemson Ohio state game let, last week, the playoff game and Clemson had to play without their uh, offensive coordinator. And the guy, the guy who took over, it's pretty funny. The guy, the guy who uh, Brandon Streeter, he's Clemson's quarterbacks coach, and he took over their offensive coordinator duties. His father, Barry Streeter, was was my head coach in college, and, and wow. Brandon, yeah, Barry was uh, was our coach. Barry coached uh, where I played it for thirty something years, and Brandon and his brother Jason, they were about five and seven years old, I think, at the time, and they were just. Their practice just about every day, running around the practice field, tackling each other, you know, doing what little five and seven year olds do. So both it's of them cool played right pretty, in college. Yeah, Brandon played at Clemson. He was a quarterback at Clemson, and um, and then what got went on the staff, and uh, he's been the quarterbacks coach for a while now. He coached Deshaun Watson, and uh, okay. he's obviously coached Lawrence. So you know, he's had a great career, but he's not the OC. And you could see that Clemson struggled to sort of find their rhythm in that football game without their regular play caller. So I have no doubt that Cleveland will be impacted by this. They, I'm sure that they've put a plan together, and I'm sure that Alex Van Pelt, uh, you know, who's the offensive coordinator but not the play caller, is, is going to have a, you know, a, a good plan on paper. But like you said, calling a football game is, is much more about feel and rhythm and adjustment than it is about whatever you have on that call sheet. You know, everybody scripts stuff in, in the beginning, but once you get through that script, it gets very much uh, about the feel you have for what the, what your opponent's doing, the things that you know you can do well, the counter moves that you're setting up as you play. And, uh, you know, it's a chess match. So we'll see how the Browns go about that part, but I have no doubt that they'll be impacted by it. 
So let's let me ask you this question, and this is this is a tough one because you have Baker Mayfield, who I don't show a lot of respect to, but what he's doing, he's a Heisman Trophy winner, and what he's doing, you know, I've got to show some respect for. I'm just not a big fan of his, and so I have been um, rough on him uh, the entire time. Um, I actually even challenged him to a fight last year, which is stupid because he would beat the uh, living daylights out of me. But <laughs> uh, that's just, I just can't stand him. Every time uh, Jeff Hartman mentions him, he has to say the, the phrase, Baker sucks. You know, so it's, it's just like we, um, there is kind of a stigma to Baker Mayfield that he is not a smart quarterback. And I think he's probably a little more intelligent than we give him credit for. And, and I understand that, but let me ask you this. If you had to choose, if you're a Browns fan and you had to choose knowing that you have case Keenum as your backup quarterback, and you had to say one of these guys had to sit out, would it be Kevin Stefanski or would it be Baker Mayfield? Who was more impactful to that team? That's a good question. Well, I'll give you Baker's numbers in the two games against the Steelers so far. He's 27 for 45 for 315 yards. He's got two touchdowns, two interceptions. He's been sacked eight times. So, And that's behind what's supposed to be one of the best offensive lines in the, in the NFL. They, haven't, they didn't win on Sunday because of Baker Mayfield. He, he made a couple plays with his legs late in the game that, that were uh, helpful for sure. But they ran. They won because they ran the ball for 196 yards. And if, and if the Steelers can't stop the run game on Sunday night, then it's going to be a, a tough, a tough game for them. So, I'm tempted to say that I would, if I'm the Browns, I'd rather have Stefanski uh, and and roll with Case Keenum because Case Keenum's a capable backup, and he's a guy who's uh, you know been in the league a long time and. Uh, you know, probably in a in a big game could step in and with what Cleveland asks their quarterbacks to do, which is predominantly manage the game, be good off of play action. Mayfield's one of the one of the highest rated play action quarterbacks in the league, but when he's not off of play action, his numbers uh, fall dramatically. So they're not they're not they're not generally asking him to go out and win football games when the run game's not clicking. So I think. I don't know. It feels irresponsible to say oh, I'd rather have the backup quarterback, but at the same time with Stefanski being the play caller, I might go that route. Very good. And we have so much more to talk about with the Cleveland Browns taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. The difference in the fact that the Steelers are, did not really get a chance to show their hand because they had nine starters not playing in that game. When you count both sides of the ball, if you want to count uh, Chris Boswell, you can say 10 starters. So if you're looking at that, the Browns, like you mentioned earlier, they really showed what they were because they have to go ahead and they've got to do everything they can, pull out all the stops to be able to get into this wild card playoff game. While the Steelers, win or lose, it didn't matter. They were playing for pride. They established what they needed to do. They brought some more momentum back into the equation by having a very good showing and almost beating a team when they were completely depleted. So with that being said, we're going to talk more about that. We're going to take a break here on the Steeler. I was going to say the Steeler retro show, but on the Steeler pregame show. And we'll be right back after this.
on land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome back to Here We Go Steelers, the pregame show. The Steelers and the Browns, Sunday night football, round one of the wild card, number three, taking on number six in the American Football Conference. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Kevin Smith is here with me. He is my co-pilot for this episode, and we are so excited to be talking about the Steelers in the playoffs for the first time since the 1917 season actually that would be wartime the 2017 (laughs) season when they took on the jacksonville jaguars and it's funny dave schofield co-editor of btsc is really excited because this is his first playoff game as a member of btsc so he has never covered a playoff game and we uh on our guest article that we have every week um, we do an article of pre, uh, excuse me, of predictions. And uh, Kevin, you're featured on that. I am everybody from BTSC. Um, the, all the contributors are on there. And we have somebody every week from the rival SB Nation site. And we had Chris Picorni on last week. And I read his and I loved reading his because it was really cool. He's the uh, editor of Dogs by Nature, the SB Nation site for the Browns. And he was like, man, I have been here since 2006, and I have never had an opportunity to cover a playoff game whatsoever. So it's been so many years for him, and this is going to be his first playoff game. We take that for granted because we've been around the playoffs for a long time. I've been with BTSC for over five years. So it's uh, something really exciting for those that never had a chance to cover it. I got to tell you, this is great for me, even though Cleveland's been the little brother and it's a team that. I despise because of guys like Miles Garrett and guys like Baker Mayfield and especially Kareem Hunt. You know, I, I don't, I don't enjoy uh, their presence on my football screen. So with that being said, I'm not a fan. However, you got to feel good for their fans getting the opportunity to uh, enjoy what we enjoy so often, Kevin. Do we, do we have to feel good for him, Brian? I mean, you know, no, I, I understand what you mean. They are, they are, uh, you know, a, a passionate fan base whose love of the game rivals Steelers fans. I always, when I was growing up and you'd have those old Steelers Browns game at, uh, was it Memorial stadium? Was that the old Brown stadium? It was, uh, uh, no, that was Baltimore. It was, was Cleveland Baltimore. Municipal Stadium. Municipal and, stadium. Okay. and Tony and I yeah. just covered the 1979 game on the Steelers retro show just this week. It just ran. If you get a chance, listen to it. It's a really cool one. It's so cool to watch games in that stadium. That was right on the lake. It was just, uh, it was not a very scenic stadium, but it looks so cool to watch it because the stadiums had personality. Yeah. It it felt like football, you know, like it was lit. They were, those were the Bernie Kosar Browns. They were the they were in the playoffs to be they were playing 
late December, January football, they'd flash into the crowd and you'd see all the dog pound guys and their breath coming out in the cold air. And sometimes it would be snowing and inevitably it'd be some kind of hard hitting game. And Kostar was kind of like a perfect Browns quarterback because he was, he was working like an awkward and didn't look pretty doing it, but, but he was getting the job done. And, you know, I, I, feel, I feel like the Browns are a worthy franchise in that in the sense that their fan base is is uh behind them and now of course what happened with art Modell and all that you know this is these are kind of the browns 2.0 so and i haven't really checked in on them much lately to be quite honest because they haven't been worthy of checking in on uh but yes you do feel you do feel a little you know a sense of like yeah good for those guys now as somebody who grew up in south jersey and lives pretty close to philadelphia I was not pleased when the rock and roll hall of fame was awarded to Cleveland because Philly was the runner up. And we were also psyched as like teenagers to have be like, Oh, the rock and roll hall of fame in Philly. We just thought that that was going to be such a cool thing, you know, to, to go to. So I'm still a little bitter about that. I don't blame you. I would have loved it because that would have been a lot closer for me. And Dick Clark, come on, Dick Clark, American bandstand was in Philly, you know? Yeah. But, you know, I yeah. guess uh, I guess uh, Cleveland got it and I still have not been there. And you know how much I love my uh, especially my 80s top 40 music and and that kind of uh, rock and even the glam metal. So I've got to get there, but I'm boycotting the Hall of Fame until Huey Lewis and the News gets in there. <laughs> you might be waiting a while. I, mean, I hate to say it, but uh... <laughs> they've got three number ones They're Oh, OK. We're not going to get off on that tangent. But um so I got to tell you, let's talk about this game. So yes. the Steelers did what they needed to do in that game against, against Cleveland. How pleased were you about their effort? Well, after Nick Chubb ripped off that 47 yard touchdown run in the first quarter and the Steelers made a lukewarm at best attempt to tackle him. I was like, this is going to be ugly. I, it just, it just felt like they didn't have a whole lot of interest in trying to tackle him. And that they were going to mail it in, but but after that, you know, they they really, I don't want to say dominated the game, but they definitely got the better of the Browns. Uh, you know, Mason Rudolph's bad interception set up a pretty easy Browns score, but other than that, the defense buckled down. Uh, the offense moved the ball. I mean, Mason Rudolph threw for 315 yards. Like that's that's fantastic. They hit deep balls. They showed that they could get behind Cleveland's receivers or uh, their D backs. I'm sorry, they. Uh, they just afforded themselves really well. And I, and I really admired the effort that the backup guys gave and, and the way that Rudolph hung in there. And I, that couldn't have been an easy thing for him. You know, we forget sometimes that these guys are, are young. Mason Rudolph's, you know, 24 years old, uh, coming off of uh, going back into a situation that was probably very embarrassing for him in, in some ways, traumatic in others, going back to Cleveland after the Miles Garrett incident. Uh, and and I thought that he played really, really well. I, I've not been a huge Mason Rudolph fan, but I was very impressed with what I saw from him on Sunday. I've got underwear older than Mason Rudolph. <laughs> that's that's disturbing, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this. Actually, don't. It just I just wanted the reaction. But <laughs> so, anyways, let me ask you this. This is normally the part of the show where I ask you what the Steelers need to do to win this game. I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to I'm going to switch it up a little bit. My thought is for the Steelers to win this game, they need to go back to the playbook 
that wasn't a playbook. It was just Ben Roethlisberger's head in the second half of the Indianapolis game. Is that possible? Is that something that they could do? Yeah, I I think we'll see a good amount of that. I kind of got the sense in the second half of the Indy game that they were, I don't want to say throwing out the script, but that the more Roethlisberger got a feel for what the Colts were doing, the better he understood how he wanted to quarterback the game. So this is the third time, you know, between Pittsburgh and Cleveland. I know, I know Roethlisberger didn't play last week, but I'm sure he studied the film and, you know, he's, he's going to have a pretty good idea of what Cleveland's doing and there shouldn't be much of a feeling out. I, I don't expect the Steelers to come out of the gates, you know, like secretariat or anything because they, they just, they never do. But at the same time, I'll be surprised if, if uh, it's the second half before we see more of the up-tempo on the ball, you know, with Roethlisberger kind of commanding the offense. I just feel like that's been the Steelers at their best this year. And uh, that's the way they need to go on Sunday. So let me ask you this with Ben Roethlisberger back behind center and calling his own plays. If that's what he does, has the love fest, the bromance between Randy and Ben Roethlisberger, is it kind of uh, headed towards divorce court? I don't know what their relationship is like. I've never heard Ben Roethlisberger say anything negative about Randy publicly I just get the feeling that that the that the higher-ups that the management um I don't know again I don't know what Mike Tomlin thinks but it just you just sort of start starting to get a feel for the sense that the Steelers understand they're going to have to evolve on offense and that Randy doesn't seem to be I don't want to say that doesn't isn't capable of it but he hasn't figured out a way to do it just yet and uh, I mean I'll I'll be honest. I'll, I'll be surprised if he's back next year. Maybe, you know, maybe a lot rides on what happens over the next couple of weeks. Steelers make a good playoff run, get to the AFC championship with the Super Bowl. Then maybe we will see him back. Uh, if they go out Sunday night, I'll be shocked if he's back. I would agree on that. So let's talk about the Cleveland Browns. This is the part where I usually say, Kevin, tell me who's going to keep the Steelers up at night. My answer to that would be Nick Chubb. Is Nick Chubb the X factor for the Cleveland Browns? Is he the most important player on that football field wearing brown and orange? Well, this week wearing white, brown and orange. I mean, he's the guy who's gonna who's going the the offense is gonna flow through for sure. But I think the most important guy is whoever the heck is backing up Joel Batonio. I mean, Joel Batonio is a heck of a lineman, the starting right guard who's a Pro Bowl player, and he's out. With, he tested positive for COVID. He's not playing. And I can't remember the guy's name, but I but what I read was that the, the backup guy, the backup right guard is uh, a guy they signed off of an XFL roster. And he's going to be going up a, a lot of the time against uh, a rested Cam Hayward. And that is not an ideal matchup for the Browns. So, you know, Cleveland's got a good offensive line, but Petonio's out. Uh, Willis, the rookie, he just got cited for – drag racing at 9 30 in the morning with one of his teammates which i don't know i'm not saying that that's going to affect his play on sunday but that certainly doesn't tell you that his head head was in the right place uh at, at that moment at least um they're they need to be able to dominate the line of scrimmage up front uh the, getting robert spillane back at linebacker is going to be a big thing a, a big uh advantage for the steelers against the run 
So Chubb obviously is is the guy, but if if they if their up front guys can't you know get a push and can't handle the Steelers, then that's gonna that's gonna be a problem for Chubb and for Cleveland in general. Well, let's take the time now to put our money where our mouths are. Who's going to win this game, and what's the score going to be? So. I got the Steelers 28-17. I just think that they're I think they're the better football team. I think that what they did in the last in the second half against Indianapolis sort of brought, you know, some some energy back. The, they they certainly afforded themselves well in Cleveland last week. And uh asking, you know, Cleveland Cleveland beating Pittsburgh two weeks in a row is hard enough. But now it's the playoffs. The Browns haven't been there in forever. And the Steelers, you know, this isn't the JV like it was last week. So I just feel like if Pittsburgh doesn't hurt themselves with mistakes and turnovers, they're going to win. Absolutely. I feel like you throw the COVID aside. If the Browns were at full strength for this game, I'm still picking the Pittsburgh Steelers in this game. I think that uh, they had their awakening in the second half of that game against Indianapolis. I think Ben Roethlisberger is not ready to, uh, hang up this season, his redemption season. I think there's more Steelers for us to watch. And I'm excited to see some of these young players get a chance to play in their first ever playoff game. So I think it's going to be fantastic. If you're betting, take the Browns and take the points. That's fine. But the Steelers are winning this game and they're going to win this game by the score of 29 to 24, Kevin. Okay, you got closer than I do. All right. 29-24 will make me sweat unless it's one of those they get the Browns get a cheapo at the end. But I expect to put a lot of steps on my uh on my step counter on my phone because I'll be I don't I will not be able to watch this game sitting on the couch. I'm gonna be up, I'm gonna be pacing, I'm gonna be walking around. It's gonna be eleven o'clock at night and I'm gonna be talking to myself on the TV. And my wife's gonna probably be like, Will you be quiet? The kids are sleeping. But I mean it's just it's that kind of it's you know, that's the that's the uh time of year that we're at right now. So I mean, it's uh, there's all you know, no holds barred right now. So you're like Reggie Miller. You're an Indiana Pacer. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. I'll go <laughs> all right. That's a horrible joke. So at that <laughs> point, that's when we need to go ahead and hang it up. So there's a lot of great action that uh, you're going to watch this weekend. So I'm excited for those games as well. But this is this is the marquee matchup. It's a five star matchup because the Pittsburgh Steelers are in it. I cannot wait for this game. Kevin, thanks so much for spending time with me and educating me on the Browns and the Steelers and what they need to do in this matchup. Yeah, let's go, man. Let's go get it. First step towards number seven. All right. It's Steelers. It's Browns. They're coming up next. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. You just heard Kevin Smith, and it's time for the game. Here we go. We'll see you, my friends. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.
Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.